Plan B with Rebecca Davis of the Daily Maverick. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, John. What have you learnt from Sorong Forza's one and three quarters of a day at the Zondo Commission? Well, you know, I was struck by seeing all the ANC top brass sort of sitting there watching him and being struck that it was a bit like, I don't know, a mafia funeral or something, or, the, you know, a, a, a member of a street gang testifying and all the other guys sitting there to make sure he didn't sing like a canary about something he wasn't supposed to sing about. I mean, that's the impression I get when you also look at what has actually come out of it, which is so very little, isn't it, John? I mean, I can, I'm can i not personally covering this, and I'm really glad because I can see journalists visibly kind of sweating to get headlines out of this material because it's just so little to work with. Ironically, not One, one thing which is, has made the cartoonists easy for him to, you know, him saying I'm a party animal because that gives them their Mac Buffalo <laughs> cartoon for tomorrow, doesn't it? <laughs> Party Animal is, a, is an excellent double entendre. I, instead, this week I've been attending a, a virtual conference on reforming the public sector, in which, you know, they have been openly acknowledging these are our top kind of public sector figures, like Edward Kiesletter from SARS, people from the Public Service Commission, have been openly admitting the kind of things that, that Cyril Ramaphosa has been kind of demurring about at the Zonda Commission, such as catered deployment, for instance. It has been an open topic of conversation how it was a genuine fear for the ANC in the transition to democracy that their best efforts to ensure actual public services for people would be undermined or sabotaged if they did not get their people in these jobs. And that's a reasonable fear. It really was. It was seen as an absolute imperative, particularly considering that in many places, the former homeland, for instance, almost every job in the civil service was taken up by white men who were vestiges of the, the former administration. So there was a good reason at that stage to put in cadres in these particular roles. That that has now kind of run wild, and also that the original justification no longer exists is also openly, you know, openly acknowledged. It seemed to me that there was a far more candid level of discourse going on at my small conference than there was at the Zondo Commission. But am I being too 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 harsh on him, John? I, I I'm not sure. I'm ambivalent about this, Rebecca. Sometimes I agree with you and then sometimes I go there's there's something quite important about this president of the country doing what the previous president of the country refuses to do, which is to account. And yes, he is accounting in more academic and generalized terms than I as a citizen would like him to account. But he's indicated that he'll account in more specific terms when he comes back as the leader of the government. And I know that some of the stuff that he's saying he has said before at State of the Nation addresses and so on about corruption and factionalism. But for me, he's saying them in a more pointed way and he is saying them under oath at this institution. And I think that is quite important. I agree that the optics are important. Certainly, we talk so much about optics as a terrible word in politics these days. But it is true. You know, this is a man who has agreed to, especially in this era where everyone and his dog seems to be trying to undermine trust and faith and respect for the judiciary. There is certainly something about seeing the president kind of obedient to the will of a judge that is an important signal at this time. Yeah, um, I, yeah I think one must... 
I think one is entitled to judge what one hears moment by moment, sentence by sentence, answer by answer, but then one must reserve a, a vacant bit of judgment for once he's finished the full four days. Anyway, let us move on to... A former president, sort of. <laughs> sort of. A former president and a current social media giant, Jacob Zuma That's and right. Facebook. What's the link? So I discovered today, in fact, that if Jacob Zuma had complained to Facebook about the coverage of his security upgrades at Mkandla, he could almost certainly have gotten those news stories completely banned from Facebook and, in fact, could also have ensured that people were banned from sending each other the stories on social, on Facebook Messenger, which is kind of horrifying. And the backstory to this, John, it was the New York Times' very good media columnist who dug into this. The New York Post has been running a series of kind of hit articles about Black Lives Matter activists. In particular, they and the Daily Mail are obsessed with the personal wealth of Black Lives Matter activists. Do they own property? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Facebook has been refusing to host the latest articles in this series, uh, causing the New York Post to, to, to query why. And the answer is because if, according to Facebook's privacy policy, if a news article is published about you featuring even vague details about where you live, such as a city and a picture of your home, you can immediately request for it to be removed from Facebook and banned from that site. And what what is kind of horrifying about this, John, even though in the context of the Black Lives Matter activists, sure, we can all probably get behind that. What's kind of horrifying is that Facebook does not defer to news organizations' judgment of newsworthiness. So if we were to say, okay, but hold on, please, Mr. Zuckerberg, this is kind of important because the former president has been using public money to upgrade his home. People need to see it. No, they simply defer to their own privacy policy. They do not Ouch. defer to news organizations on questions of news judgment. And I looked up the policy for myself in the hope that maybe somehow this only applied to America or something. But there it is. We remove content that shares offers or potentially identifiable information, including financial, residential, and medical information. I mean, the financial and medical information also is so vague. As I said to you, I think it could also have prevented any reporting on Shabir Sheikh's uh, medical parole, possibly, and financial information as well. This is, of course, the flip side to the other issue with Facebook, which everyone always complains about, which is the kind of, misuse of privacy, of data, personal data, etc. But this cannot be the solution, and I'm surprised that activists haven't yet taken it up. The New York Times suggested it's simply because people are not aware of this policy, but now we are. The, the third topic, men who wear this are more likely to cheat, new study shows. But what is the this? I don't know. I said it would be easy to Google, but I didn't want to. I asked the listeners, and most of them said men who wear white shoes are more likely to cheat. White? How interesting. Well, my, because I got this off a clickbait headline, my initial instinct was wedding ring. But that's. Um, Quite a few people suggested right. that as well, yes. <laughs> that was not right either. The correct answer is men who wear larger logos on their clothes are more likely to cheat. This, according to a new. Does it study, matter what the logo is? I mean, in the test subjects, it was, I believe, a polo logo. I think I've got that right. Uh, it does not matter, no. The, the hypothesis I think they were testing was that men owning shirts with larger luxury brand logos would basically 
act more promiscuously and that they would be more attractive to women, which is a kind of terrible, archaic, sexist idea of, you know, biological evolution and the way that women supposedly choose mates. Unfortunately, apparently it's true, at least according to this survey. They scored higher in attractiveness to women for brief sexual affairs and were themselves already more likely to seek out those brief sexual affairs. So, women of Cape Talk, if your man is proudly donning larger and larger logos on his clothes, perhaps, you know, you can barely see the underlying fabric because the logos are now so large then you must be on high alert for extramarital tomfoolery. Thank you to our in-house counsellor, Rebecca Davis. She'll be back with another Plan B next week.